Good morning, Hillcrest. Good to see your faces and your smiles this morning. It's pretty wonderful. Uh, We have been in a sermon series called We Can Do More Together. And Nicole started off uh, doing an incredible job starting us with the words, we can. And she talked about the Israelites worshiping idols and how our hearts can easily turn away from God and towards what we can control. And she encouraged us to turn towards God instead of our own ways. Nate led us into Do More, and we've had an incredible time as a church reflecting on our own influence and that we can make a difference with our lives to alleviate child poverty throughout uh, through partnering with World Vision. How many of you guys were here last Sunday for the Chosen Sunday? It was pretty amazing. It was so wonderful to see so many of you guys um, deciding to, to sponsor a child through World Vision, and we'll have a few more things in a couple weeks with that. Uh, Nate reminded us uh, we can do more with our lives and make it count. Uh, My name is Jessica Fick, and today I'm going to close us out with the last word together. So I serve here at Hillcrest as the Director of Engagement, and I'm so pleased that I get to wrap this up with you guys today. So initially when I thought of the word together, I had these images of like backyard barbecues and neighbors volunteering together and people sitting around tables, which sounds really good, right? Like we have had a lot of time apart. So as I was praying, I was like, Lord, is this what we're talking about with together? And he said, no, that's not what together looks like. That's what comes as a result of togetherness. If you have your Bibles, I think we actually, we put Bibles back in the sanctuary today, which is a good thing to have like Bibles in the church, right? Who would have thought? We don't have a screen today. So if you want to pull out your Bible app on your phone or your Bible, we're going to be in John 15. So you can grab those. I actually prefer an actual Bible to, uh, to the screen anyways. So John 15 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And this is John 15, 1. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and reign in his love, remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. When Jesus invites us into togetherness, it's an invitation to abiding in him. 
Some translations of this passage say a different word. They say abide rather than remain. And I'm a nerd, so I like to look up words. And so I looked up some synonyms for abide, and they're enduring, lasting, persisting, steadfast, stable, and surviving. The thing that helps us to persist, remain steadfast, and survive by the power of Jesus' love is pruning that leads to joy. So a couple weeks ago, um, I was upstairs working from home, and uh, my son, he has been doing homeschool this year, like many of your other, other, other kids in this congregation. So about one o'clock in the afternoon, a day like today, pretty clear, and all of a sudden I hear this, <laughs> so I thought, oh my gosh, did we just have a sudden storm roll in? What's going on? Like, it's kind of a volatile springtime. But I looked outside, And there wasn't any storm clouds. Again, it was a day like today. And then I heard more. (laughs) And it was a tree that had fallen. We live right off of Knoll Park. And a tree had just fallen in the middle of the day. There was no wind. There was no storm. There was no rain at all. So later we went and examined the tree because I was really curious, like how, just how big was this tree? Like that was a really, really loud sound, loud enough that I thought it was thunder. And um, if you, I don't have a, oh gosh, sweet. Oh yeah, there's a picture in the back there. If you look at the back, it's not very great. Our, Our projector's not working. So anyways, it's not a great picture, but I want you to look to the top of our, of our roof here. This tree was taller than our roof. It was a huge, huge tree. And so we went and examined it because I was curious, like what what would cause a tree like that to fall without any rain or wind or lightning? And so we went and examined it and it had broken off about 12 or 15 feet because termites had eaten it from the inside out. My husband, Dave, said, you know, this tree had probably been there for about 500 years. It it was a huge tree. In fact, just the week before, I was walking along the tree line of Knoll Park, and I thought, boy, what a gorgeous tree. That would just be so perfect to have, like, a tree swing that kids could, like, swing on this, you know, swing in the swing, and it's just so lovely. And one week later, it had fallen and just crumbled to the ground. It was really disturbing to me. In fact, The next day, the Lord woke me up and he was like, you need to pray about this tree thing. And I was like, maybe I just need to like call Dory and like pray and process with her. There's something going on here with this tree. And as I was praying for this message, the Lord spoke to me and said, many times pruning begins with the unseen things. With this tree I shared about, nothing would have been accomplished at all if its branches had been pruned. It was an internal issue. These small things turned into big things that eventually destroyed the tree. And that can be true for our lives too. When Jesus was criticized by the Pharisees for not requiring his disciples to participate in ceremonial hand washing before they ate, Jesus responded to them by saying, nothing that comes into a person can defile them by going going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person's heart that defiles them. And he went on to say, it's from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, 
adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. Before you start mentally checking off the ways your life doesn't reflect this list, ask yourself if any of these things have just ever been true in your life. It can look like a grudge or animosity towards a friend, coworker, or family member because of a betrayal and the seething anger that you feel towards them that you just cannot get rid of. It's a comment muttered under your breath towards someone who believes something different than you politically or how they practice their parenting and arrogantly asserting that my way of thinking is way better than those dummies. It's that phrase, that insidious phrase, must be nice, must be nice, that follows the envy when you hear a friend or family member tell you about how great their relationship with their spouse is, or how incredibly successful their adult children are, or how they've been able to put every stimulus check into the bank because they're not struggling to make ends meet during the pandemic. Must be nice. When we spend time with Jesus, it's painful and frankly embarrassing to acknowledge those things in our lives and to begin the process of repenting, turning away from our idols and sin. And I can raise my hand to just about every single one of these things in this list because that's what Jesus says life is like. We constantly turn away from him. But it's the love of Jesus that invites us into something better into fruitfulness and joy. Pruning is necessary to bear fruit. Instead of seeing all the things that come up in our heart, in my heart and in your hearts, Jesus doesn't turn away from us. He turns towards us and says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide with me. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you because I love you. You don't have to fix these things yourself or pretend they don't exist. I forgive you and have healing for you. When we ask Jesus to forgive us, he actually heals us from the inside out. And on the cross, he willingly took our sins and died for them so that we wouldn't have to experience death. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave him resurrection power. And when we choose to follow him and ask him to lead our lives, He's able to show us how to live with that kind of power too. Because of his resurrection power, Jesus reverses death individually and corporately. Instead of envy, we feel joy and gratitude. Instead of arrogance, we respond to people who think differently than us with humility by asking, I don't really understand that. Can you, can you tell me? Can you tell me where you're coming from? Can you tell me more? Instead of having vitriol towards the people who've hurt us, we actually pray for them. And in a genuine way, not in a kind of, Lord, would you help them to see how big of a jerk they are kind of way, which is totally a prayer I've prayed a lot through my life. <laughs> As a church, it's coming before the Lord together to ask, Lord, Help us to see the things that are bearing fruit instead of the things that 
we've just done because we've always done it that way. When the Lord chooses to prune us, it bears the fruit of humility and healing. It's painful, but it's for humility and healing. Jesus tells us the result of remaining in him is that we can bear fruit. fruit. We might want to do more. We live in a culture that tells us, you just need to be a good person and do more. But Jesus is pretty clear. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you've never invited Jesus to show you what a new way of life with him looks like, I'd invite you just to pray and ask him, Jesus, what would it look like for me to experience new life with you? To experience this love, this healing, this resurrection power. Abiding with Jesus isn't about doing more. So if you have this sinking feeling, oh, I know what she's going to say. Do more quiet times. We really need more volunteers for the, for the children's area. If you think I'm going to load on some guilt this morning to you to do more, I'm not. All of these things are resources of how we connect with Jesus. But those things, they're not Jesus. They're ways, resources of how we abide with him and connect with him. Sometimes even our spiritual things, the things that God gave us to help connect with him, can become idols. I remember my oldest son, Reuben, and some of you guys have seen him. He's got really, really big hair. I remember shortly after we moved here to Kansas City six years ago, he was in Sunday school, and they were asking kids, um, hey, you know, what kind of idols do you have in your life? And he was in third grade, so I was very curious as he was sharing this with us, like, what kind of idols do third graders have? Like, maybe playing too, too much Fortnite or something? So he shared with us, you know, when they asked me what my idol was, I said reading. I said reading because I realized it was keeping me from other things, important things like making friends. And I was like, oh my gosh, my son has an idol of reading. I don't know whether to be like upset about that because he's not making friends or like really happy that my son just wants to read all day. Would, would that more of our kids have the idol of reading, right? <laughs> Even good things, even good things can become idols. Early on in my ministry career, I was working with college students, and I started taking silent retreats because I realized I needed something different in my life than just doing more. And I would take anywhere from three hours to a full day, and on one of those days, I was just feeling utterly bone-tired. I was completely exhausted, and I'd frankly felt like a loser. I was supposed to be this spiritual leader, but I was just too tired to even crack my Bible open that day. So I came to my friend's house who had created just this beautiful space in her home for retreats or people to kind of um, have a vacation. And even though I'd planned to dive into scripture and spend the day journaling and reflecting, all I could do was take a nap. I was so, so tired. I couldn't keep my eyes open. I felt really guilty because it didn't seem like a very spiritual thing to do, to take a nap. Afterwards, I went for a walk around her block, and I very quickly realized I was huffing and puffing. I wasn't reflecting. I was working out. I couldn't even slow down my body enough. 
to just be present and listen to the Lord. I was pushing my body to do more, even though I felt completely physically tired. I sensed the Holy Spirit telling me, Jessica, just slow down. Take a walk with me. I have words of life and joy I want to give to you. So I slowed my pace and I just prayed, Spirit, show me how you'd like to spend this time with me. I don't even know what to do anymore. All of the things I've done don't seem to be working, and I just feel more exhausted. And as I slowed my walk, a hymn came to mind. And I'd like for us just to take a moment and listen to it right now. You can close your eyes if you're not going to fall asleep. Um, but they're just going to play the audio. I had a video, but with our screen not working, um, we don't have that option. So you can just take a moment um, and invite the Holy Spirit, what he would have to say to you during this time. So you can go ahead and play that. Quite a few months ago, I was sitting around a fire pit with um, Brad and Roxy and my husband. And I asked him, I asked our group, 
What do you think the Lord's trying to teach us during this time? This really, really difficult, painful time that we've been in during our pandemic. We talked about how it seems like the Lord is bringing us into some sort of a reset, a reset for ourselves as a church of how to relate to him in a new way, relate to him in a way that's connected to his love and maybe not uh, relying on the things we've done in the past. Maybe you've been striving so much in your relationships, your work, or your parenting that you just feel exhausted and burned out. Rather than try to grit your teeth and muscle through it, which I frankly do more than I care to admit, ask the Holy Spirit, would you show me the way? Show me how to patiently relate to this child. This year has been so incredibly difficult for parents if you've had to do remote schooling with your kids. I don't know that I've ever had to do anything more difficult, and I can just feel it in my body, like the tension in my neck. I will say the good outcome is that I'm really good at fourth grade Kansas geography, so if you need to know about that, I'm your girl. (laughs) I'm from Michigan, so it was actually kind of helpful to learn about Kansas geography. We can ask the Holy Spirit, teach me to be kind when I want to lash out. Teach me to be patient when all I want to do is run away from my computer and all these Zoom calls. This year has taken such a toll on all of us, and I believe that even in the horror of what was happening around us, God was working. He was showing us that we're meant to be connected to him and to each other. The presence of Jesus is all around us, and he invites us to spend time with him. The amazing thing is he knows you, and he loves you. He can show you the best way for you to connect with him right now. We just need to slow down enough to actually listen and be present. So this week, I want to invite you. You know, Maybe you're going to be driving in the car to go get groceries, taking a walk, chopping carrots for something, maybe roasting a brisket at the smoker. That's going to be my husband this weekend. You don't have to have a day-long silent retreat. (laughs) You can just ask, Spirit, what's the best way for me to abide with you right now? He wants to tell you. He wants to show you. This week, just pray and ask that. And for some of you, the most holy thing you could do today is to take a nap. I'm not even joking right now. Your spouse is like, yes, please, you're snapping at me, take a nap. Or your body just feels so physically tired, you're like, okay, I don't have to do all the things. Abiding in joy and abiding in love leads to joy. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy would be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Hillcrest family, we have been through a heck of a few years. Many of you have been here a long time, and it's so wonderful to hear your stories of what it's been like to be part of this congregation. And you've seen joyful seasons and painful seasons. My family and I joined Hillcrest in the spring of 2019. And over the course of that year, there was a lot of turmoil within our country and our congregation, and not even being able to gather because of the pandemic. And people have said to us, I'm amazed you guys stuck around. (laughs) Well, do you know why we stuck around? 
You. We stuck around because of you. When I came to the women's retreat, February of 2020, I was by myself. And it was a really scary experience going in and not really knowing anybody well. But you welcomed me in, and you listened to me, and you prayed for me during a really painful season in my life. And you prayed for me. You remembered my kids, Reuben and Ozzy, even though you hadn't seen them since VBS in 2015 when we moved here. You remembered their names, and you welcomed them back in to be part of this community. You invited my husband to join you for a ridiculously early morning Bible study the second week we were here, and you know who you are here in this room. You invited us to serve with you to make a difference in this community for families in need during the pandemic. And you welcomed us into a small group to eat a weekly meal with you and even showed us your tattoos. You also know who you are. <laughs> we stuck around because we saw a community that loves each other. And I believe it's abiding in love that will lead us forward together. Over the next few months, we're going to have opportunities to gather together during church and explore stories in scripture and stories of congregation members. We're going to have really fun things to do together, picnics and concerts and golf scrambles, if table. And rather than seeing these things as maybe more stuff to add into an already busy summer, I want to invite you to consider that maybe this is one of the ways Jesus is inviting you to abide with him. We learn to love when we're in community. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. We build resilience when we remain with people in their suffering and celebration with them. We experience God in different ways and are stretched in our spiritual practices when we spend time with people who are different than us. If you're not a Jesus follower and you're still trying to figure things out spiritually, we are so glad that you're here. Your questions and your doubts are welcome. I believe Jesus has a bright future for us as a congregation and a newfound joy for each of us as we learn to abide in Jesus. It's love that will lead us forward together. And we can do more together when we abide with Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you that your presence is always with us. We pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you want to show us. Help us learn to love you and, to, and learn to love each other. Amen.